Welcome to What's Going On In Your Head, where we explore the secret inner workings of the mind through performance art and discussion. I'm Liz Smith, the host of this show. Hello, Maria. Hey, Liz. How are you doing? I'm good. How are you? I'm all right. I'm really excited to be having this conversation. This is our first ever What's Going On In Your Head podcast episode. But it's not our first ever What's Going On Your Head event. No, it isn't. We started on a real stage back in November 2018. In the H Club in Covent Garden. Yeah, and we focused on intrusive thoughts in OCD. And we had, I think, five incredible uh, performances. Yeah, and one of them was the one and only John Tilly. Why did he stand out to you? He was just, it was his honesty. His honesty and his hope. The live show in the H Club was um, absolutely incredible. Um, such a nerve-wracking experience. And I remember saying on it that the build-up for it was like it was eight weeks that I, that I knew. And it was ter- terrifying experience. But when I got there and did it, I loved it. absolutely loved it. I found his poetry performance that night just so powerful and so visceral. And you could, you could tell the room was electrified by it. Obsessive, compulsive, direct current. It's me, you see, a more sick head from a recycled sycamore tree. I'm wired outside with an open top, but I'm grateful for the airflow because I sweat a lot. I've got blackbird vision, I can see for three, blue resin, red dot, the flashbacks come for free. I've got a stiff lower lip that keeps up my chin, a sandpaper face, sore but very smooth skin. I've got sharp steel sutures, shiny staples just for show, but I left them off the carving and I didn't change the flow like fire, fire. I think there's been a fire... Strangely, I can't see up, but think I might have popped a wire. Wax is a treatment, but it's water I require. I think I feel okay, but of this shit, I'm really tired. I'm sane, but a curious brain absorbing blame and shame. OCD is part of me, and I'm connected to the mainframe. A brain drain, a dark game, still bring your pain. I'll fight you, COD, and I just played you at your own game. And I'm levelling up, and so's the world, my little devil. Tonight you're being talked about, awareness bursting bubbles. Sufferers learning to hope and cope, understanding helping troubles. With three fingers down and confidence up, successful treatment surely double. I'll buy the doubles. And if I can ask, please, and you don't mind, help to make the world aware of me and my mental kind. Because we don't do what Norm does and we can't see what Norm sees. But we can do quite a bit and no one's normal. So please, experiment for OCD. Thank you. Another day I really remember clearly is March 2020. Yeah, that was when we had our last face-to-face meeting. And we were sitting around a little wooden table at the H Club. Yeah, still no masks, no gloves, no social distancing. It's crazy to imagine that now. Yeah, we still thought we could put on a live show. And then someone on the team made a suggestion. Yes, our very own John Salmon. He said, I've got an idea. Why don't we do this on Zoom? And we Zoomed in on isolation. That was the theme of our first Zoom show. And we went on to do a whole series more, which we streamed on Facebook and on Zoom. And then 2021 arrived. And COVID and lockdown was still with us. So we thought, hmm, maybe right now is the time to try something new. And that's when the idea of doing this podcast episode came about. And we were wondering who we should ask to be our first guest. And there was only one name possible. The first of the live stage, 
the first of the Zoom stage. So lovely to have you on What's Going On In Your Head podcast. Thank you very much, Maria. It's a pleasure to be here. I've got very sweaty hands and feet. Just before you went into the interview, how were you feeling? I was really anxious. John was also uh, feeling quite anxious too. Yes. It was something that we shared at the beginning and I think that then helped both of us being very open and honest was from the start. I said, John, I am anxious. And he said, Maria, I'm anxious. So he was like, okay, I see you, you see me. Now we can just have a conversation. I would ask you, what are the three things you most would like people to know about you? Firstly, I'm friendly. I think that's the first thing I'd like people to know about. Secondly, uh, I'd like people to know that I care about things and people. And I really do like people. It's just that I don't interact with many people. The third thing I'd like people to know is that I suffer with obsessive compulsive disorder, OCD. and I've had it all my life. Actually, I'd like people to know um, everything about OCD and how it affects me, my condition, because it helps explain my actions and, and interactions or um, maybe lack of interaction that I've had with people over the years. That, that helps with my anxiety. I'm definitely not avoiding people or situations because I want to. It's because of OCD. So I think they're the three things. It's a pleasure to know those three things about you, John. We know it's just three of many. Um, but we will jump onto your program because it says a lot more as well. This is called OCD Lockdown London. London is congested like my head. I should charge. The city planet in my brain can't cope and I'm at large. London isn't rested like my head. We need more beds. I want to sleep when I'm alive and keep living when I'm dead. A bobblehead. Congested. I'm rested. Please take my brain and get it tested. I won't get another shot in this one life I am invested. From these stocks I share, my words through pain, my heart lay bare, shackled in my head, nowhere to go with lockdown hair. London is invested in my head. Please mind the gap. Welcome on board and drive a train through all this crap. Yes, London has an interest in my head, but please don't barge. I like Morgate on the weekends when my demons aren't at large. Vested, interested, please take my brain and get it tested. I won't get another shot in this one life I am invested. From these stocks I share, my words through pain, my heart lay bare. Stuck in a tunnel, nowhere to go, can't breathe the air, and still I care. Because London hits a beat with my heart, it's made its mark. And if I can just roll the dice and pass go, this dog can start. Yes, London never cheats with my heart. I use my head. My absent brain grows stronger, a zombie no longer, walking dead. Beats, cheats, please show me how to walk the streets. This dog has done a lap and needs 200 for his keep. And from the shocks I care, creating things I want to share, raising awareness, carving demons as they stare. And Ben's got new hair. Is funding fair? Well, I know Ben is big, but for my time, he doesn't care. London needs to treat more sick heads before they're dead. Time is running out and more lights are going red. Please crank up the efforts and roll out the beds. OCD is locked down. This pandemic isn't dead. That was a massive poem. It was, there's so many layers to it. There's so much textures. Thank you so much for sharing it with us. I want to sleep when I'm alive and keep leaving when I'm dead. Could you explain a little bit what you meant by those two verses? The band Bon Jovi in 1993 did a song called I'll Sleep When I'm Dead. That was the title of the song. The line 
is I'm going to live when I'm alive uh, and I'll sleep when I'm dead. Got that in my head a bit with this and changed around a few words. So it became the, instead of going to live when I'm alive, I'll sleep when I'm dead, which is, which is great lyrics. I said, I'd like to sleep when I'm alive and keep living when I'm dead. Um, so sleeping when I'm alive, OCD makes you very tired. Having OCD makes you very tired. Um, that, that's a simple way of looking at it. But sleep and rest is also vital for good mental health. Very important. It's also a reference to needing more beds in London um, and under the umbrella of housing in general, um, and definitely more treatment beds for, for people with mental illness. It's also a state of mind with re reference to avoiding situations because of uh, OCD. When I was younger, I wished I was old, basically. When I was a young working man, started, started work when I was 18 in a bank. And all I could think about was retiring. And the reason for that was because I, I just wouldn't have to deal with any OCD. So, yeah, I'd like to sleep when I'm alive for my, for my mental health uh, and also sometimes just to avoid situations uh, and things. But that has its negative side, which comes on to the next, the, the other statement, keep living when I'm dead. Well, I'm scared, like most people are, of death. Terrified about it. Dying myself, loved ones dying, people I know. And I've been terrified about that since I was uh, a young boy. So I want to keep living when I'm dead because I've got a lot more stuff to do. And it's changing mind mindset. Um, one, one of my friends said on a WhatsApp group that I'm in, which I'm very grateful for uh, last week, he said, I, he suggested that I might have already spent 63% of my life. And stats like that spur me on. Uh, as, as I get older, I rationalize things. I, I need to crack on. That's the two lines. So I'd like to sleep when I'm alive and keep living when I'm dead. Wow, 63%. Yeah, well, it was debated. Okay, I'm glad. <laughs> it was debated. I hope there would be more of us. It's a terrifying concept. I think OCD really feeds into, into the whole concept of death um, in a big way. It, it is scary. Uh, you know, and certainly over the last year or so with lockdown, you've heard about a lot of people, you know, dying. And it's a lot of talk about things. And it's, um, it's very upsetting. So we need to crack on. Live whilst we're... Uh, Live whilst we're alive. The the sixty three percent comment that really struck home for me. Did it provoke a reaction in you when he said that? I was really shocked. My first impact was the amount of time that he saw he had left for himself. But then I also started considering: wait, what is my percentage in this? When somebody says, you know, you've lived 50% of your life, you still go, okay, I have 50% left. But when he starts eating onto those other 50%, it starts getting terrifying because it's like you can almost calculate when you're going to run out. It, it really hit home for me because I'm the same age as John and I'm like, oh, mm. me too. And then you start thinking about all the things you want to do and this, this sense of I have to achieve all of these things. There's this pressure feel that you're making the most of your life especially with lockdown we started seeing all these lists of people saying oh my god we have so much time and use it in a very productive way but then the question was what is productivity and what about the time for you are you taking time for yourself what of the 63 percent of your life that you've lived so far have you actually invested in you how much of it did you spend sleeping not just sleeping as in sleeping through the night but just being on that constant routine of what life seems to be for society which is you you know going out there working getting money coming back restart and how much you've actually enjoyed it 
I think that's what scared me the most. I started thinking, which percentage of my life have I actually enjoyed? And now if I have to turn the scale full on into enjoyment, how am I going to survive? Because how am I going to pay for it? So it just opened a lot of doors. Yeah. And I still haven't quite reconciled it in my mind. It'd be interesting to hear from anyone listening to this if it, it, it hit a nerve for them too. Another one of the lines that I'd like to reference is, I like Morgate on the weekend when my demons aren't at large. Um, could you share with us how do these demons manifest to you? So that's a really, it's a, it's a really hard question. Okay. My demons refer to my state of mind, really, with OCD. And you hear in the world of OCD, intrusive thoughts talked about a lot. And intrusive thoughts are battles in your head. Um, they're not voices, although some people might have voices. Um, uh, everyone has them. It's a normal part of the working brain. An intrusive thought is basically a thought that you don't want. It's a thought that you fear. And this is, and you know, this is what OCD is all about. I, I, I think the problem with OCD sufferers is they can't rationalise the thoughts. Um, so, so the thoughts go round and round in the head. They become all inhuman. Uh, sorry, all consuming. They're fueled by fear, doubt, and anxiety. So, so really, my my demons are, I, I think, intrusive thoughts. But I put it under the umbrella again of a, the whole of whole of um, my OCD. Yeah, I, I, intrusive thoughts fall into. If I give, it's, it's, I think when often people talk about um, OCD, they they use all these different words. It, it must be almost impossible for someone without OCD to understand, because even someone with OCD. Um, would really struggle. I, I certainly really struggle with all this sort of thing. But you hear about intrusive thoughts uh, um, a lot, and they they kind of each intrusive thought falls into a category that's been categorised in, which is why you hear so many different subheadings of OCD. So some people might have harm OCD or contamination OCD or relationship OCD, and it's always the fear of the, the fear. Is this a fear of harming? The fear of contamination? That's you uh, or other people relationship the fear of messing up a relationship or obsessing that it's um just not not right in the first place yeah intrusive thoughts um are fueled by fear doubt and anxiety but i still don't give an example of an intrusive thought so i think it's one of the best things i can think of is um if we were walking on a, on the edge of a cliff a thought could come into my head perfectly normal like anybody else it's very hard for me to deal with it um because of my ocd but i could jump off the cliff and that's 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 a worrying thing. Um, even more worrying, the thought might come into my head that I could push you off the cliff. Um, these are intrusive thoughts. The way I deal with that is not not to be on the edge of a cliff either by myself or or, or with you. And, and it's not the fact that I, w- I want to do it; it's the fear the fear of doing it. Just because I could, and it's the wrong thing to do, and it could cause trouble. So I do suffer with harm OCD um, quite badly. I don't I I don't want to do anything wrong, um, don't want to upset people, I don't want to hurt them. Um, there's a lot of vulnerable people around. I want to jump out of the interview for just a moment and take you back to our first live show again when we talked about fear OCD. There was a moment in that show that really cut through for me when I asked John's wife, who was in the audience, a question. I think we'd all be very interested to know, you know, when you're asked to leave the kitchen because he's got a knife in his hand, what does that feel like? Um, well, I've put up with it for about 20 years, so I suppose it's a bit strange because I'm quite accustomed to that. It might seem really strange to everybody else in the room, but to me, that's quite normal. Um, 
it doesn't bother me because I don't worry at all he's going to hurt me. I don't have any concerns whatsoever. I don't have any doubts. I don't feel any worry about my safety. Um, so in that sense, it's it, I can brush it off. But what is hard is seeing it in his face, in his eyes, in his body movements, his fingers curl round, his body clenches up. Um, and it's just sad. It's just sad because I part of OCD is that I shouldn't reassure him. Um, but all they want people with stuff with OCD is reassurance. So he wants me to tell him it's okay. And I got to try and um, ignore the behavior. And it, it's really tricky. So this might sound really inappropriate, so I do apologize, but be warned. So if he says, oh my God, I just thought I could stab you in the head. I say, oh God, good job you didn't, because I might just stab you back in the eye. And, I don't really, <laughs> and it sounds a bit weird, but there's something about like the reality. I just have to bounce, you know, and we have these kind of moments. He looks at me and goes, yeah, okay, thank you. <laughs> is that reassurance? It's a reality check. It does, it's a reality Sometimes. Check. That, that's quite a good thing. It's, uh, it's yeah. not official CBT, but... It's not official. Don't do it at home. It's not. All the psychologists in the country would be screaming, no. And if we go back to the, the line in the poem, when I like Moorgate and the weekends when my demons aren't large, Moorgate's in the city of London, as you know, um, and on the weekends, it's absolutely dead. It's a beautiful place and dead with, of people, I mean. So it's a great place to be. I, I, I can get my five to 10 metres worth of space that I need around me at all points at all times to, uh, you know, I'm being kind of serious about that. I, 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 don't want to talk, I don't want to talk too much. It's very hard to go into a shop for me or, or do anything normal. So London's kind of a strange place. But yeah, I, I like Moorgate on the weekend when I'm not thinking about OCD, when I've got a clear head and I'm not going to get any triggers. There's no one around. I'm a terrible avoider. Have you been able to train or treat your demons? No. No, I avoid them. It, it's not taking it head on. But it's it's what it's just a, it's just the reality of it. I avoid them, I ignore them, I don't engage. I just try to move on uh, and accept. I think acceptance is a very important thing. I accept that I got problems. I try to forget about things. I try to forget about intrusive thoughts and things that I'm worrying about. It's very hard. It's, it's very hard. It, it was it was. It's, it's easier now as I'm getting older because I've got a bit more more of um, life experience and I can apply a bit more rationale to to my thinking maybe but this is why i feel for youngsters when i when i was when i was young it was crippling i could collapse in the ball tomorrow in, in what i call a fatal incident yeah i i can't train or trick the demons it's part of me it's it's so far embedded in in, in my head that i don't even have intrusive thoughts they're, they're so far embedded from a young age that i just feel it i know it and, and it becomes they become body actions i, I can't be quite strange to be around you know, I avoid people, unfortunately, and situations. Yeah, my, my demons can't be trained or tricked, I suppose is what I'm saying. So. I was really interested about how he was talking about his demons and how he's learned to live with them. What, what did you take from that? It was very interesting because uh, I thought that, because when you prepare questions, especially when you have a performance to ask the questions about, you kind of expect, you kind of create a narrative in your head. And, uh, you know, you should expect John never to fit into anyone else's narrative besides his own. And nobody does. But in his case, he always surprises me how out of the box he is. There's no such thing as a box for him. So I expected OCD to be what he would call his demons. But then he went into, no, it's actually these intrusive thoughts 
which we covered on our first live show. And then it's just the way he looks at his demons. I love that he said also that OCD is part of him, but it's not who he is. So these demons are like sharing. They're not paying rent, but they're living inside his head. It's just this sort of roommates that he avoids. First, that's incredibly honest to share because I asked him if he could trick them or train them so that he could have his own space. But now he's just decides not to see them. I didn't even realize how massive this was because intrusive thoughts, they're, con- they're intrusive. They're, they're constantly in your head. So how he manages to avoid them, it, may, it must take incredibly gymnastics to go around, you know, to play around so that you come on the other side and they're behind you and they don't even know. And quite tiring, quite exhausting. Yes. Constantly avoiding stuff is, can be quite exhausting, right? Yes. Uh, when he was saying, you know, that he's a very kind and friendly person, and John is extremely kind and friendly, but that he avoids people, not to avoid the, the person, but to avoid this thought that can then be associated to this person. You mentioned that OCD is a lockdown. How does he feel then to be living in a lockdown, within a lockdown? Like, how did your experience of OCD change now that we are, we've been at home for basically a year? Yeah, it's been a while, isn't it? Well, I've coped quite well just looking at it, looking at it from an OCD point of view. It's a lot safer. No interaction. Um, there's no expectations on me. Certainly in the early days, people are crossing the road to avoid me which was um, incredible because it's the reverse of what I've been doing to them all my life. It's still not as good as it is me. They don't anticipate quite as well, but I've always wanted things to slow down in the world, just everything to be a lot quieter. And I've said it would have helped, but I didn't, I didn't expect a pandemic to come along, um, you know, and go far too far. So, so it's horrible. The, uh, I, I've been worried about um, my health. I've been worried about my breathing. This is from the start of lockdown, really quite panicky. I was on the phone to... Well, Sarah had to call, call a GP, and I had to have a gave me some gave me some comfort on the phone, which I wouldn't normally do because I avoid avoid doctors. But but I've been worried about my health, and I even I even said to the to the point about my breathing. I, 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 even to the point that I said to Sarah, I think a lot of my other OCD is cured, and she said, no, no, I think it's just moved on to worrying about yeah breathing. And when you think about your breathing, it's awful. So that's that's drive that's driving me mad during lockdown. OCD lockdown and a lockdown, yeah, it moves on. I, I've met up with my few few old friends on a on a, for a Zoom for Zoom quizzes and you know once a month Zoom Zoom chats. And this, I'm very proud that I haven't missed one of them. Like the what's going in your head, I like to think I've got 100% staying in and going out effort, which is completely different to what it used to be. So other people drop off and I'm saying, well, what was wrong with you that night? You know, because um, it's all this excuse. I used to go out, I maybe go 1% at the time to for events, but I'm not going to miss anything when it's with it because I, I want to interact and be sociable and um, join in. Um, so that's good. The, the other thing, I think lockdown, in a lockdown, the big thing, OCD sufferers and charities have really missed out. And I, and I think that's, um, and charities all over, uh, um, and, and people all over have missed out through, um, through, through things changing. So I would like things to go back to normal where everyone else came out of lockdown and uh, I'll continue if I want to. How do you imagine London on the other side, because London is such a character in your poem, and he, he has yeah, yeah, a yeah, lot yeah. of um, shapes and forms. 
I, I do love London. I, I, um, I think I'd like it to be um, a better version of itself, really. I, I love the anonymity that uh, London's provided me since I moved here 20 years ago. You, you, the freedoms that exist in London. But I also think a magic potion should be thrown over London as well. So there's no crime. We've got more green spaces, uh, affordable creative housing, good mental health provision, good jobs, more beds. Yeah, a better version of itself. Basically a, a place where hearts and heads don't, aren't broken all the time. Something like that. I can... Yeah, I, 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 I don't know. No, I do know. I just said I know. Edit that. Many people have had this strange experience of going around their towns and busy places and finding them empty for the first time in their lives. Yeah, I remember the first time I consciously made a decision of walk down Oxford Circus during lockdown and the difference. Sometimes there's so many people in front of you that you are so in your head, it's like, I need to get to the other side, that you don't see anything around you. But the fact that there's nobody there and there's so much space, it's like time expends as well. So you start looking at things differently. And I was like, I never thought I would say this, but Oxford Circus is actually quite beautiful. It was such an incredible experience. If there was to be a consequence of this lockdown, I would hope for it to be a conscious slowing down, not not something that people make you do, not a lockdown, but that we be became more conscious of time and space. And we took more of it for ourselves because I think then we would start expending for others as well. Yeah, finding that time to breathe and have space, which brings yeah. us back to that, that pressure we feel the, of the 63%. We need to make sure we're building in that time and that space and that freedom to think and be and exist. And your interview with John sort of really brought that to the forefront of my mind. Um, you mentioned that you had started writing this poem a while back and now you came back to it and finished it. How did it first come to you? Well, it was way before lockdown. It was in a it was in a notepad um, that I had uh, maybe two two years ago that got lost down the back of a sofa for a while, and then it went up my workshop, and then I think I lost it in the loft. And there's two other poems in there as well. And I, you know, I when I when I write things, I get really into it, and then at the end of the day, I think, oh, that's all. That's that's there's a nice that, that's okay. That's quite clever. All the rest of it makes it look twee cheap rubbish um so just forget about it and and and, and but, but i had to come back to it and when i heard you wanted me to come on and do this of course i had to finish it <laughs> so that happened within about 24 hours so i, I can crack on and do things so I, i'll be forever grateful to you for um you know helping me finish it quickly i think i've got a couple of others in the book which I'd, i'd forgotten i'd started writing as well so they might see they might see light i don't know Uh, we would love to hear about them. Do you want me to book another podcast episode right now so that you finish it? Well, you can help finish them with me if you want to. <laughs> it's, it's, it's tricky. Stuff gets, I get so many thoughts in my head at the same time. It gets very confusing. It's always been the same way. What about your wood, uh, your wood carvings? Because it's a completely different medium from poetry. It, yeah. It's not something that you, it's not something that you finish in 24 hours, I presume. It takes a lot more time. So How, how does that process work for you? I don't know, to be honest. I've, I've, I've never, never been patient. I can't wait for anything. Um, I like to be early for things. I can't wait. I get very frustrated. But, you know, when I finished my first, first carving, people said they liked it. I can, see some, I can see something in it. The problem is with my own work, you get, 
I get a bit, I get a bit sick of it by the time I finished it, and it's just there, and then it gets thrown in a thrown in a box and goes up in the loft because I've got to sort of wrap it up and get it out of the way. I don't really know what to say about my carpet. And I started doing it a few years ago, but I've always been creative in my head. It's just I haven't, I just haven't really put that put much of my creativity into practice over the years. Yeah, we're all creative in our own ways, aren't we? And I'm quite surprised that people have given uh, had a good response. And I, and I do look at my things sometimes and think, well, I didn't, I didn't, I didn't actually make that. And when I start something new, I don't know how to make it. I make loads of mistakes, but I've never thrown anything away. So everything I've made is always it's got all the mistakes in it. I suppose it's quite honest from that point of view. This the art such a such in the eye of the beholder. And I've always said I wanted to make things that make people smile. And they've also, I like to make things that have, which is a bit silly, but have sort of got the lick test. You might want to lick them because they're really shiny or colourful or um, just different, just things that are different. How would you, you know, you just answered, I was about to ask, how would you like people to experience your work, but you just explained that you'd like them to go and lick it? Um, yeah, yeah. That would have to be in my own gallery, wouldn't it, one day? <laughs> yes, and post-pandemic for sure, because yeah, I don't definitely, think that, that's legal right now. <laughs> oh, dear. One last question. If you could take a magic pill and get rid of OCD overnight, would you take the pill? Yes, that's a categorical yes. Yeah, I, I, I like to think I'm quite polite and, and um, I like to think I'm kind, but I don't like queuing. And um, I, I, I think you would see me barging people out of the queue for me to get to the front. Yeah, I, I would take it instantly. Um, OCD is a very nasty illness that deserves to be gotten rid of. And obviously, as my um, good friend Paul said, um, 63, 63% of my life's already spent. So I'd like to take the pill and crack on, really. I'm going to try and crack on anyway. But of course, I, I would definitely, for me, take the pill. Yes, uh, I've got no interest in OCD. And I like to think that um, a lot of what would be left would still be me. So... I'm not really buying into the um, OCD is me. OCD is definitely part of me, but I'll keep fighting it, I think. I think we did well. That's not bad, um, is it? No, it was, honestly, I was terrified. Right, right. Um, but it was really, it was really nice. Yeah, good, good. I can't yeah. remember what I've said, but it's, it's all there, isn't it? In, in a mumble garbage way. I hope so. How did you feel when you finished the call? He gave me hope, you know, that's it. I left that conversation so hopeful because I thought there's still people like John. So you would expect them to be so busy ignoring their or trying to avoid their demons. But here they are, you know, fighting another day. Not avoiding people, but not avoiding their voices, not avoiding their, their thoughts, their experiences, but opening up space for them. I I was like, yes, I want to be in this world with people like John Tilly. Me too. Brilliant. Well, I'm so we're so thankful for, to John for being our first on our first in real life show, on our first Zoom show, and now on our first podcast. He talked about his carvings. We'll put yeah. some pictures of his carvings up on the What's Going On Your Head website, which is at what's going on your you can also find a recording of that very first show that we did at the H Club in 2018 uh, with John there too. So do encourage you to go over to the What's Going In Your Head website. And uh, I'm looking forward to you doing lots more interviews, Maria. <laughs> Me too. I'm excited. 
Thank you to Maria and John for taking the time to record this interview and to composer and musician Kim Halliday who has edited this episode together for us and has added some musical sparkle to it. If you've liked this episode, please do take a moment to rate it as that will help more people find it. If you want to find out more about OCD, I'd encourage you to head over to thesecretillness.com which is a digital project where you can read stories from people all over the world who have lived experience of OCD. If you are interested in getting involved with what's going on in your head or coming to any of our events, you can find out more on our website, which is at whatsgoingoninyourhead.org. There's also a page on our website with information of organisations you can reach out to if you're experiencing any mental health issues. I hope you will join us for our next episode where John Salmon will be in conversation with Johnny Benjamin. <laughs>